Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. What is going on, folks? Welcome into the Fairways of Life show on this Tuesday. Absolute delight to have your company from wherever you are joining us. As always, we've got a lot to go through with you today. You know, it was funny. I'm not going to show you the, the tweet that was sent out yet from Vijay Singh because I'm going to use it as a culmination of this. But do you remember, it was a little while ago now, when Bryson tangled with a rope at an event. If there's something about Bryson DeChambeau that he has this ability to step into situations that are horrific for his personal branding and his PR. Well, what happens when you're at a live event is you, there's obviously rope lines everywhere. And I will tell you, rope lines can be a real pain to get through and around. Now, it's usually better for players because they're, you know, the officials are holding the rope line up for players. Lots of times when we have to go through ropes because we're trying to stay in front of the players to call the shots, and I've got an antenna sticking out of my head, you're trying to gauge where to go under the rope, and the antenna's there, and then you got people leaning against the rope and, and more and more. So you try to find your way around it. I can tell you by the end of a tournament, you're, you're sick and tired of going under ropes because you're, you're constantly doing that. And I, I assume that maybe Bryson feels the same way, but... This is from the original video where Bryson misjudged the rope. And you notice I'm saying Bryson misjudged it, even though when you hear the nat- natural sound of this video, he was blaming it on pretty much everybody else. Bryson. Oh, my, oh my God. God. What the f***, guys? Oh, my God. All right. Oh. You okay? No. Oh. I can't see him. All right. All right. <laughs> Oh, right my eye. Oh, I can't even see right now. Take a second. Rope caught in the eye. Split my eye. So here's the kind of Shagruder film slow motion shot back and to the left. And I just can't see by the way that... Was it a single rope? Was, it, was there only one rope? I just can't see by the way that that went that it's anybody's fault but his. So this happened to Bryson DeChambeau, right? And the way that he reacted and, and how... What word do I use? Dramatic that it was, etc. So somebody in Bryson's team, thank goodness, somebody, he's got somebody around him. They're like, hey, we need to address this. We need to get on top of this. We need to make this better because Bryson has a whole series of gaffes throughout his career where he does stuff where people are like, uh, was he completely unaware of the way that that played itself out in the public arena? So Bryson tried to make up for it by putting together this video of him overcoming the rope. So we picked up that video from PGA Memes. Now, after he did, he got, there was all kinds of reaction from players all kinds of reaction, not to mention people at large. Well, after he did the second That's What I Mean video, Conquering the Rope, none other than Shane Lowry, who's probably the nicest guy in the entire game, goes, not sure what's worse, this, and he's referring to that video I just showed you, or the Alfred Dunning weather forecast, which as you remember, when we watched that, everybody looked like they were wearing hazmat suits because the weather was so horrific in St. Andrews. It got better, thankfully, before the tournament wrapped up, but the day that he was referring to, it was absolutely hideous. So the reason why we bring this up this morning is none other than Vijay Singh, who was at his own PR gaffes over the years, if you please, sent this out with a a wee bit of instruction for Bryson to show him how you actually 
walk under a rope without creasing the rope across your eye. We hope that all involved are, are better off for the way that has played itself out. All right, so today, I mean, I promised you guys this yesterday that we have Brooks Kepka, we have Chase Kepka, we have Jason Kokrak, we have Peter Uline, and, and they're living at, because we, we opened up, we're talking about a player that's playing for Liv, so that's why I'm going down this road, if, if you're wondering. I know that there'll be all types of social media buzzing going on, assuming that, uh, you know, we're only live, 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 live. Well, we got a lot of live, 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 live for you today, because remember yesterday, we were talking about the Champs Tour players, a couple of whom I got a chance to talk to, a couple that Dom spoke to. And they all wanted to talk about live. And again, depending on what side of this thing you are on, we're trying to stay somewhere in the middle and provide a balance. The, the players, A, wanted to talk about it. And B, I think you may be surprised when you listen to what the players say. They're not really condemning players for being a part of live. Yes, they're saying, you know, you don't, you don't have to say something nasty going out the door, but you have a right to go out the door. That's, I, again, I'm giving you a kind of a synopsis and balance. But nonetheless, before I get to that, first of all, this is the team champions smash, I guess is the name of their team, right? Down 33 under par is where they finished uh, with, again, Kepka, Kepka, Kokrak, and, and Yule Line, where Brooks was asked if he could sum up the day. Remember, Brooks won individually, which we featured yesterday. And, of course, as the team, questions are included. You'll hear it. Then he talked about his own road to, to this victory. Then he would talk about Chase and how well he's played recently. And then all four kind of summed up the week that was. We start here. We've kind of picked it up there. Uh, Chicago, you know, Chase, Pete, they've, they've kind of led the way in the last, um, last few weeks. And, um, you know, me and, kind of left me and Jay behind a little bit, not throwing Jay under the bus. But... Where we've, okay. we've had to we've had to play good, so uh, yeah, no, he played good in Boston. He did, um, and you know it, it's nice to see everybody play well and everybody contribute um, and and shoot some good scores. I mean, it was difficult. It was windy, so um, yeah, coming down 18, I just wanted to make sure that the team thing was wrapped up before me and Pete could kind of go at it. Brooks, I wonder if you could speak about your own road to this win. It sounded like on the broadcast you had some doubts about your. You know, your career, I know you've battled some injuries here going back a couple of years. Where, where, where were you just, uh, you know, when you started out with Liv in terms of your health and, and then getting to this point? Uh, well, I mean, it's been before Liv. Um, I mean, when I blew my knee out, my foot was pointed that way, uh, basically almost backwards and sideways. It was, um, I don't know, credit to Dr. Elitrosh. <laughs> Throw his name out there. Um, I mean, it, I still... I mean, eventually I'm going to have to have knee replacement, but um, in a few years. But I, I didn't know what was. I wasn't sure whether I could even move the same way. And I'll be honest, I didn't want to play if I if I couldn't do it the way I could. Um, so, you know, very fortunate to be able to be this in the spot I'm in right now. Yeah, I did. I mean, I did. I dislocated and then shattered my kneecap, and then the other one, and I tore my patellar or MPFL and uh, a bunch of things. But in the left one, yeah, I did my um, patellar tendon. Brooks, a uh, question about the price money. What does it mean for you to win $4 million? Yes, nice. Uh, it's Tuesday for you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, yeah, no, it's really nice. I mean, honestly, uh, to me, the big thing today was, was getting the team, the team win. And, um, you know, I told, I told my brother I'd buy him a Lambo if, if we won a team thing. So now i got to go buy one. Lime green. It's going to be real loud. (laughs) (laughs) They need a new car anyway, so uh, it's all right. Can you talk a bit about Chase and how well he has played over the past two tournaments especially? How how proud are you of him and what did you think of his his play? Yeah, I couldn't be prouder. Um, It's been obviously really fun to be able to team up and... um, get to see him a lot more uh we've become closer because of it uh which is special for me i know my family's probably loving it as well um and it's it's honestly it's just been really good to see i mean i think he might have the best scoring average on sunday bar london um for the last what's six events um he's played really solid he's been very consistent 
Um, shows up when we need him, and you know, on Sundays he's he's right there. So it's been fun. Um, you know, Pete's played really well, um, and then Jay's he's he's going to play well in Miami. I can promise you that. So um, he's he's trending in the right way, uh, just like I feel like I was. Um, Chase is and Pete. So um, being in that, I think five spot. I think we locked that up, did we? Um, yeah. That was kind of the thing I kept thinking about all week so uh being able to pick who we're going to play is, is going to be important and i'm oh, i'm excited for miami i think we're everybody's playing really well and that's what we need to do can you sum it up you know the three days and this win uh and how do you feel about it all of you by the way the question is for all of you um and, and throughout the tournament how did you feel I mean, Pete said it earlier that, um, you know, it's a team aspect. Brooks sent out a couple messages that kind of, you know, gave us a nice boost of confidence. You know, we were all trending in the right direction. We're all trying to get uh, to the top of our games for Miami. And, uh, you know, to to come out on top as a team, I mean, I know Brooks and Pete were battling out for the individual prize, but uh, we were all thinking about the the team aspect, I think, a little bit more. But um, we all got to take care of our own business and, you know, to come out on top uh, as a team is uh, a lot a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, we each stepped up this for these three days when we needed to. Um, I think it's – I think we're all just real excited to get to Miami. Um, I know I'm really excited to uh, get in some AC right now. It's been a hot week. A lot of water been <laughs> been drank this week, so. Yeah, I just can't wait to hang out with these guys uh, – no offense, but just kind of behind closed doors. I think that's kind of uh, what I'm looking forward to in, in, in sharing this. I mean, it is pretty special. Uh, like I said, it's uh, it's all kind of new to us, you know, the team thing. Maybe college was the last time that we, we've seen it. So it's and – th- and those wins in college were um, were so much fun. So I, I, I just can't wait to get, uh, get with these guys and just kind of be alone for a little bit. Yeah, we – I feel like after about, I don't know, six, seven holes in the first round, I looked, you know, we were we were well ahead in the lead. And so, you know, taking the lead really early and then just basically I didn't really feel like we were got that close to kind of being caught this week. But um felt like we were in control all week and uh, we played great and played really solid and everyone contributed. So um, it was a great team victory. All right. So there they are talking about the team victory, which uh, lies in store. Uh, we, we'll have more details on it as soon as we get a chance to get ourselves up to speed. Of course, we're talking about the first time that they're having their culmination, uh, and that will be at Trump Doral when that takes place. So that was the smash team of Kepka, Kepka, Kokrak, and Uline with their appropriate comments. Now, speaking about comments, I'll let you be the judge of whether they are appropriate or not, on the mark or not. They are, however, an opinion. And as I say continuously on this show, I respect people's opinions. Whether you agree or disagree is something that I'm going to leave to you guys, but we ask you for your opinion. We want to know what you guys think, and it's the same thing that we do for players on the PGA Tour champions. They'll be weighing in on many different things coming up, including some breaking news from one of them, and that involves Tiger Woods, but... Relative to live, they all wanted to talk about it. You're going to hear a sampling of those opinions as the Fairways of Life show continues on this Tuesday. It is presented by the PGA Tour Superstore, the number one golf retailer in all the land with their big, beautiful store spread out from coast to coast, where within those walls, if you swing it, if you wear it, if you need to learn about it and more, you'll be able to find it right inside there, even if it's a repair to your current equipment, maybe as simple as just getting some new grips. You remember when you get new grips on your club, that feeling that you have, that you feel like you just got a brand new set? You can have that feeling of renewal at the PGA Tour Superstore at any time. And a great place to get started is right at PGATourSuperstore.com. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery and visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Press the green button and start your journey at ireland.com golf. You're a golf fan. I am giving all this equipment away. 
I'm Matt Adams, host of the Fairways of Life show. We're the only live daily golf show on YouTube. We're also available on demand. You can just click and subscribe right here, and we give away product to our subscribers. I literally give it to you. What other show does that? There is no other show that's live every day on YouTube. All you have to do is click and subscribe, and you got a chance at winning some of this. Want to get ball fit like the pros? Now it's easy. Just grab your phone and a friend and have them record a video of you hitting a drive. Hello, Senior Tour. I've absolutely smoked that. <laughs> anyway, submit your video to BridgestoneGolf.com. You'll receive an email showing your stats and the best tour be for your game. So get fit and get better. Sweet. You got me on a good day. Are you ready? for golf's biggest season ever? Because we are. Our certified fitters are waiting to fit you for free with the latest clubs from Callaway, TaylorMade, Cobra, Titleist, and more. Plus, shop the latest gear and apparel from all your favorite brands. Experience golf's biggest selection under one roof. Don't just shop this season. Shop with the pros at the PGA Tour Superstore. Are you an E or a C? Both have Ridgeback. These are loaded with peg. Which one are you gaming? Definitely E for me. It's just so forgiving. I'm definitely an E. C is for Cheka. What else? C is for kill it. C is me. Low spinning bombs. So, are you an E or a C? Hmm. I don't know. Hey, wait a minute. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One, zero, one. Gives you feedback in real time. Do you feel where you are in your golf swing? Transition, plus 4.2 inches. Length of back swing, 50.3 inches. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. Transition on plane. That's the mic drop. Welcome back to the Fairways Life Show. All right, let's do a Golf in 60, and it is presented by DeWiz Golf. You just saw their commercial. If you're watching the live show, DeWizGolf.com is a website you can log on to and learn more about this absolutely incredible wearable device that will change your game. We just got the data coming in yesterday on what it was like when worn during a competition. Can't be worn with any feedback in the competition, uh, or else that'd be against, obviously, the, the rules of golf. But later on, you can download information and learn about what happens to you in your golf swing when you are from practice grounds to the actual golf course itself in the competition proper. Fascinating stuff coming back from DeWish. You can benefit from the same. As to tournament television coverage coming up this week, the CJ Cup will start Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, you can see it right there at the same time every day, 3 p.m. Eastern time from Congaree on Golf Channel. The radio coverage on PGA Tour Radio on Thursday and Friday will be from noontime on Saturday and on Sunday, it will start, no, I, correction, on Saturday, it will start at 1 p.m. Sunday, it will start at noontime as well. You can hear that on the PGA Tour app. You can hear it on PGATour.com, or if you, and they're both free, or if you subscribe to the National Satellite Service, Sirius XM, you can hear it there as well. The PGA Tour champions will be at the PGA, uh, the Dominion Energy Charity Classic on Friday and Saturday. That coverage will be on Golf Channel at 7 p.m., on Sunday, the coverage will be at 6.30 p.m., so you know exactly how, when, and where you can get your coverage coming up this week. All right. Now, a couple of interesting things that are floating around here this morning. First of all, this is from GolfChannel.com, Brentley Romine. Headline, world number one on the line as Rory McIlroy eyes Scotty Scheffler's ranking at CJ Cup, and they write, the world number one ranking is up for grabs this week at Congaree. Rory McIlroy, who enters the CJ Cup, ranks second in the official world golf rankings as a chance to unseat number one Scotty Scheffler as my feed just went down. Hold on a second, folks. Let me go. Let me find this for you again. As I think he did it. Brentley's doing a great job with the articles that he is writing. Uh, and I'm enjoying them tremendously. He's usually when I'm hosting, which will be week after next, 
he comes on the shows. I just, it, I think it's like anybody. I think it's cool when you watch people as they're ascending through their career and getting better and better at what they do, and he does. Uh, continuing, Scheffler, depending on how the two play and finish at the limited field event in, in Ridgeland, South Carolina. According to Twitter's resident OWGR guru, Nosafrate, did I say that correctly? Uh, who sits at McElroy, who sits at 8.81 average points. He needs a win or solo second and some help from Scheffler at 9.39 to reach number one for the first time since July of 2020. McElroy strung together five straight top eight finishes, including a victory at the Tour Championship, where he spotted Scheffler six shots before taking down the reigning Masters champion. Scheffler, meanwhile, hasn't played an individual tournament since Eastlake, uh, though he did compete in the President's Cup where he had a, a disappointing performance of 0-3-1. In the official World Golf Ranking news, Keegan Bradley rose from 44 to number 23 following his Zozo Championship victory. It's the first time that uh, Bradley has been ranked inside the top 25 since August of 2014. Brooks Kepka won the Live Golf event, though with no world ranking points up for grabs. Kepka fell two spots. He's now number 35 in the world. In your weekly Tiger Woods update, Woods is now number 1,218, sandwiched between uh, Victor Landot Lopez and Jack Slater. So he writes. So anyway, I thought it was an interesting article that there could be a, a change in the world number one that is coming up this week. Now, as to the Tiger Woods news, it's a perfect segue because now this, when it happened, when Steve Flesh told us this, he was on live with us. So we was on during our streaming television show during the week. We are going to also use uh, his interview and this cut you're about to hear in our national show uh, in, a, in another week or so. But we asked Steve Flesh about Tiger Woods. And in my context of the, of the question that I asked him was the... PJ Tour champions have always wanted the best players to come out and play there as soon as they're eligible. Lee Trevino did it. Uh, Hale Irwin did it. Bernhard Langer did it. Jack Nicholas, not so much. He played there a fair amount in retrospect, but it wasn't 100% commitment, although they wanted him to. Okay? Arnold Palmer did it. Uh, when it when it comes to people, you know, like Davis Love III hasn't fully done it yet. Pops in there, in and out, now and then. Still exempt on the regular tour, tries to play the regular tour as much as he can as well. Remember when we spoke to uh, Stuart Sink, similar conversation, getting close. What do you think you're going to do? He's like, geez, I might still be exempt or I am exempt. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to try to play in some of the regular tour events if I can be competitive because there's a number of different reasons. The Again, all kinds of benefits that he gets, including not the least of which is a purse size and fairness. So I asked Steve Flesh about Tiger Woods and... You know, given the fact that Tiger loves the game and he, and he loves to compete, could there be a situation where Tiger, unlike some of these other big names that I mentioned to you, which includes, for example, a Greg Norman really didn't embrace it either. But is it possible that Tiger Woods could wrap his arms around the PGA Tour champions because it's just it, it works for him? Well, I have it on. Uh, I have some good information from a couple of his buddies that he is very much looking forward to playing out here. Now, I have a feeling uh -huh. the cart, being able to use the cart, might have something to do with it because I think really that's just the hardest part for him is the walking. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure the the leg is causing him some trouble with his with his swing and or strength, whatever. But being able to walk 18 holes, I know. Um, one of his good buddies said he already knows every record on the PGA Tour champions of major wins and and total victories and all that. So that's just right up his alley about, you know, what he, he expects to achieve when he plays. But I think all of us can't wait for that day if Tiger comes out here to play. Hopefully he will. But, uh, man, the crowds are going to be even more spectacular. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun because he has been, you know, such an impetus to growing the purses and everything on the PGA Tour. I don't even think anybody cares if the purses grow on the on the Champions Tour. I think they just want uh, want to see him come out and bring more exposure to just some of the greatest players of all time. How cool is that? So if Steve Flesh's sources are correct, now remember Steve was doing media before he went to the PGA Tour Champions. If his sources are correct, then Tiger 
may truly commit himself to the PGA Tour champions when he is eligible. I think that's, I don't know, for the PGA Tour champions, they should be over the moon with that piece of sound and the prospect that Tiger Woods might say, yeah, I love it. I'm doing it because I love to do it. And yes, the fact that he can use a cart, it takes pressure off that right leg, takes pressure off the back, et cetera, et cetera. Remember, he said, how many times has he told us, the world in media, has he said, oh, I'm okay when I'm riding a golf cart and I'm just out. What's the, what's the word that he uses, Dom? Does he call it? I don't know. what he has, he, has a, he has a phrase that he uses when he's just out hit and giggle type of golf. Maybe that's the phrase that he used. Do you remember, Dom, what the phrase was he uses on that? I don't. I was going to oh. make something up, but I figured it'd be best to just tell the truth and say I don't remember. Yeah, no, I can't remember either. No, 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 I understand. I understand. So it, it, it makes perfect sense. Now, to the CJ Cup that I was talking to you guys about, the, the field is incredibly impressive. So, yes, it's the reason why there's this chance of a, of a transfer of, of world number one because they're, they're both playing this week. But six of the top ten in the world ranking, including number one Scotty Scheffler and 15 of the top 20, are all teeing it up this week. 15 of the top 20 and, and six out of the top 10. John Rahm was coming off his win at the Spanish Open, as you guys uh, remember, is back in action this week on the PGA Tour. PGA Championship winner Justin Thomas, U.S. Open winner Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, Colin Morikawa. They're the other top 10 golfers in South Carolina. Ricky Fowler, the 54-hole leader at last week's CJ Cup, returns on a sponsor's exemption after finishing tied for second at the Zozo Championship, where he also, again, was the 54-hole leader. Sunjay M and Tom Kim highlight the South Korea contingent for the event, which was first contested uh, in that country, as you remember, for the CJ Cup. M finished second in last season's FedEx Cup race, while Kim was very impressive uh, in becoming the first player since Tiger Woods to win uh, uh, twice on tour before turning the age, the ripe old age of 21 years old. You can find more information on what I'm going through by logging on to PGAtour.com. This piece by Adam Stanley as he goes through the prospects of the week that lies ahead. And again, I just gave you the airtime so you guys know how, when, and where you can get all of that. Okay, Dom, so I'm going to turn this over to you and ask you about these cuts that we have. Uh, We just did Steve Flesh with Tiger Woods, so I don't mean to lead you, but we could start with him if you wanted to. But... You had a chance to either listen to when I was doing the, the cuts or, I think even more importantly, you did interviews that none of us yet have heard. I'm curious where you think we should start with this discussion of the PGA Tour champions and the fact that they wanted to speak about live golf. You'll even notice in my interview, I never say the word live. I just say, what do you think about the status of the game right now? And they go, boom, down the road they go. Uh, so I'm going to throw it over to you with that broad net and see what your reaction is and where you think we should go with this. Well, honestly, you can't be wrong here. Um, everybody that that commented had something different to say, a different take, a different angle. And I think overwhelmingly, I would say I was a little surprised in general by the, the overall response, just because I think if you were to walk up to anybody watching this show, a general golf fan, they would assume that anybody that's on the Champions Tour who basically got their life made on the PGA tour would be not only ardently against live, but almost be angry about it. And I don't think any of the guys uh, seemed like that at all. Most of them had pretty thoughtful comments and um, I don't know, I guess, I guess we can start with Steve flesh. Like you said, Matt, cause you got, we, you know, we just played that stuff about Steve talking about the, the tiger woods and champs tour and whatnot. And Steve also, like you said, Matt, you, you didn't really lead him, and this is what he had to say. Yeah, let's, let's start with Steve, because what I, w- I was not, just to reiterate, I was not trying to goat him into speaking about live. I literally was asking him about just the turbulence that exists in the game today and get his reaction to it, knowing that a, a different players go in different directions. You can say everything's gonna, it, it's going to be fine, everything's going to settle down, golf will be fine, don't worry about it. Uh, but here is what Steve Flesh said to that. Well, I think it's disruptive right now. Um, you know, I'm very outspoken on Twitter about the live uh, and what, what they're trying to accomplish and the means by which they're trying to go about it. But, um, you know, the PGA Tour, 
my 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 whole beef with with all that, and I don't even know if you were alluding to the live, uh, but uh, um, I just I just want those guys to appreciate the PGA Tour for giving the platform that enabled them to even be offered those amounts of money. Don't criticize the PGA Tour. I mean, it, that was the foundation for your career, and um, regardless of where the money's coming from and the amount of money that it is. You know, PGA Tour was a great stepping stone for you for you in your career, and that's what we all achieved, you know, to play growing up. So um, I'm just defending kind of really what's what's near and dear to my heart, and and that's kind of the basis for all my my emotion and my comments with that. But you know, it's, in terms of the golf, golf's unbelievable. I think it's stronger than ever. I mean, this talent pool that's coming out from college now is remarkable. Um, a lot of people comment when they look at PGA Tour events now saying, I don't know any of these guys. And truly, when I was watching some of the tournament in Vegas last week, I didn't know any of them either. But look at the scores they're shooting. I mean, the PGA Tour, regardless of who's playing still or who isn't, is nothing but just a deep pool of strong, great players. So, um, you know, winning majors now is going to be more difficult going forward. These kids are fearless. And the best players are, are – um, I think just the the gap isn't as big now as it was when Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus and, and uh, a lot of those guys were number one because they were far and away the best at the time. But now it's just a deeper pool of guys who can who can win major championships and contend each week on the PGA Tour. So I'm not sure how much of – Negative comments, I guess, is the way I'd phrase it, uh, reacting to what Steve was, was talking about. He was talking about lack of gratitude, I guess, from, from players that have gone to live. Now, in fairness to those players, I'm sure to some extent, when they were suspended by the PGA Tour and then not allowed to renew their membership with the PGA Tour, it will elicit negative comments. However, the one that I think from the start Dis- has disappointed me the most in terms of posturing has been Phil Mickelson. And the reason why I mentioned Phil in particular is because Phil has started talking again. Uh, he went, he went kind of into a lockdown after his missteps. And then, then there was a lot of uh, public reaction going, Oh no, with the changes that the PGA tour made, Phil has been vindicated to which I never felt that way. And the reason why I never felt that way is even if, Phil is correct in saying, hey, more can be done with purses, et cetera, et cetera, right? Phil did not have his falling because of Phil's concepts of how this new league can and should be structured or how the PGA Tour could be improved. Phil's falling was the revelation of the real Phil Mickelson that was hiding behind the facade. The person that we all thought we knew as Phil Mickelson, the thumbs up smiling Phil Mickelson that when you talk to other players on the tour would privately grumble about who Phil really was, was revealed. And there was an interesting article by Michael Bamberger who works for the Fire Pit Collective, which is the same organization now as, as uh, Alan Shipnuck who said that it appears from what Phil said last week that he was basically trying to rewrite history because someone asked him about the interview that he did with Alan Shipnuck, and he started off by saying, without qualifying the comment, he said, I didn't do an interview with Alan. Almost as if to say it never took place. Almost as if to cast doubt on the validity of the comments that he made. And in fairness to Alan Shipnuck, He's never called it an interview. What it was, was Phil Mickelson calling him on the phone. Alan was in the car with his family. And he had asked and asked and asked for a conversation with Phil because he was writing this unauthorized biography on Phil Mickelson. And again, you judge him the way you want to in terms of of an author that writes unauthorized biographies. Again, that's that's your every right to do. And so Phil called him. And Phil spoke. And according to Alan Shipnuck, there was nothing about the conversation that was so-called off-limits. The conversation was predicated on a request by, by Shipnuck to talk to Mickelson about the book 
and about specific things in the book, including Liv. In a phone conversation subsequently that Phil Mickelson made, he discussed the same. Those items that he discussed, yes, in fact, made it into the publication. And in fact, as a part of the early promotion of the book, were released. And when they were released, that aspect of Phil Mickelson was revealed. And it was that revelation that was his great downfall. I have in front of me, this is, this is his actual statement. And the reason why I have his actual statement is because I was hosting Golf Central the night that this came out. So we went from doing what we, we got through the first segment, I do remember that, of what we thought was going to be just a regular show, and then it was devoted to reacting to Phil's statement. And Phil's statement said, I need to do better, I need to work on me, et cetera, et cetera. We don't know exactly what that means. I don't know whether we have a right to know exactly what that means, frankly, but the, but the inference was from some comments that he's made since that time that it was probably dealing with gambling. We don't know. But that's based upon what he said. He said he was embarrassed by that coming out, et cetera, et cetera. So the one thing that we have seen consistently with Phil Mickelson is that Phil likes to plant a seed, let it grow, and then after it grows, he says, well, here's, here's where I look how, look how great this has been. The, the way that Phil was involved in what has become a restructuring of the Ryder Cup, this is the complexity of Phil Mickelson. The, the terminology that's used most commonly from 2014 was that he threw Tom Watson under the bus. That's not my phrase. That's the one that's most commonly used for it in that press conference. Well, that press conference... Whether it, whether it lacked propriety, whether it lacked class, whatever way that you may react to it, it did prompt changes in terms of how the American side conducted themselves at the Ryder Cup, for better or for worse. They called it a task force at, at first. Now, that, now it's a committee. How much Phil is actually involved in that is interesting, or was involved in that before Liv was interesting, because now, I've told you this multiple times, I've been told by Davis Love III, who's clearly very much one of the founding fathers of, of this whole new movement, that they don't call it a Ryder Cup team and, and a President's Cup team. They call it Team USA. It's one, in their view, it's one overarching umbrella. Even though it's governed by two different organizations, the PGA Tour and the PGA of America, from a player's perspective and the way they're going to conduct themselves, thank you very much, they call it Team USA. I just thought it was interesting when Team USA under Tiger Woods as the captain, he didn't have Phil Mickelson involved. Again, we get these little revelations. I've seen different players on social media, instead of saying uh, because it's about him, they, they do P-H-I-M, about Fim. So there was all these revelations that were coming about. And I haven't told you guys this before, uh, and I won't reveal confidences, but I'll, I'll tell you the, the, the broad brush. While we were doing that show, I was getting messages on my phone from players about the same. There was a tremendous amount of anger there. And I think it's because uh, Phil Mickelson has, has demonstrated this, this pattern in the past where, you know, everyone, everyone says that, that, that Phil Mickelson is the smartest guy in the room. I don't know if he is or not, but that's what you hear time and time and time and time again that apparently views himself as such or conduct himself as, as much or to his credit, he actually is. Okay. But as a result, uh, when it comes to the, the people, the fans of the game of golf, uh, Phil has been absolutely brilliant at the way that he can take a situation and mold it to his benefit, whether it's a, a commercial benefit or whether it's a philosophical benefit or what have you. That's what he does, and that's how he does it. So for a guy that's made as much money as he made during his career on the PGA Tour, to now be in a position where he is as negative on that platform and that stage is, to me, disappointing. And again, I have to reiterate and say, 
maybe there is some anger there that's contributing to the way that he's reacting. And if that is the case, I can't blame him for being angry based upon the way that things went for Phil Mickelson, which was the first time in his, I think, public stage of his career, which goes back decades, that what Phil Mickelson was trying to do didn't work in, in a massive way. Obviously, he's going to have hits and misses along the way in a, in a, in a small degree, but not many. Uh, whether it was Phil Mickelson dancing with the golf ball shooting pass and whatever it was, he just had this way to rise above everything. So I'm not going to criticize him for his convictions of what he's doing now or his conviction that it's going to excel. I, I'm, I am curious how much of that is something that he holds really true to his heart or how much of that is once again a PR campaign where you plant the seed and let it bloom. Let it grow and let it bloom. I, I don't know. What do you got, though? I just want to ask you and just, I guess, the audience in general the question. So he is already technically, Phil Mickelson, already a World Golf Hall of Famer. I mean, he's got 45 wins on the PGA Tour. That's in the top 10 all time. He's got six majors. In 50 years from now, like my son, Ryan, who loves golf, he's seven. Has Phil Mickelson destroyed his legacy regardless of how this live golf thing plays out? Even if they start playing happy in five years from now, with everything that's transpired in the last 18 to 24 months, will history now look at Phil Mickelson forever different? And are there people like my son who will not know, he's only seven, who will not know Phil Mickelson kind of the way we did, say, three years ago? The answer to that question, Tom, to me, my opinion is very, here I am telling my opinion. I always kid you about saying my opinion. I think the answer to that is very simple, and it depends on what side of the line you sit on, right? So if I, if I try to answer that from a middle position, which is where I think we should journalistically be, even though there, there isn't many apparently in the media that are, that, are, that are taking that approach. I'm not saying it in any nobility in ours. I'm just telling you what we're trying to do so you know. Phil Mickelson is a top 10 player of all time now, in my opinion. Uh, before he won the PGA, I had him outside the top 10. I had him around 12 or 14. But with that victory and with his total body of work, he's a top 10 player of all time. He is a member of the World Golf Hall of Fame. I completely disagree with, with the, the early cries that say he should be removed from the hall and blah, blah, blah. He earned his position in the hall. It wasn't given to him as a matter of popularity. So the quick answer to your question, from a balanced perspective, I hope, is that 50 years from now, Phil Mickelson will be viewed in the exact way that I just framed it to you that he is one of the top 10 players of all time, and he had an amazing body of, of work and accomplishment over the course of that period. If he is viewed as one of the founding fathers, which he is, of live in a positive light, 50 years is a long time, and there's a lot of things that can develop over that time. I think the first thing that has to develop over that time is that the source of funding has to either decide that this is worth this level of investment for decades on from now or other investors have to come in and they'll continue to flourish. And can there be more than one league? Yeah, there can be more. There's more than one golf league in the world right now. I think the battle is, is who's the, who would, the concern is amongst them is who's the alpha league. Uh, so, but again, the pers- perspective I just gave you would more likely be from those who are supporters of Live, etc. Those who have decided that they vehemently hate what Phil Mickelson has done, being going to Live, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, they're going to tell you that his reputation is forever tarnished. And when you when you tarnish your personal reputation, you tarnish your professional reputation, even that as a player, and he will always have an asterisk. So the hard answer to your question, Dom, is that 
What the real answer is at this point very much depends on what side of that line you're on. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, it's con it's obviously complex, but yeah, I would say that's fair. I mean, I just, I just wonder for someone like Phil, how much did his legacy play a role in his decision-making, if at all? Like, was there ever a concern, if I do this, I could ruin my legacy, is it worth it? I you have to think he, again, you have to to what think I was, he thought about that, right? But to what I was saying earlier, I don't think that was a consideration for Phil Mickelson from a negative perspective. I think Phil was so convinced on the power of his legacy. When he did that interview in October with John Huggin from Golf Digest, and he referenced the obnoxious greed of the PGA Tour, I think Phil was so secure and so resolute in his position, and I'm talking about his position, you can call it legacy, stature in the game, et cetera, et cetera, popularity, however you want to define that. But he was so resolute in the strength of that position, that that foundation was unassailable, that he could say that the place where he made $100 million, not to mention everything else, was guilty of obnoxious greed. And remember, when he said that, none other than Brooks Kepka reacted to it. And I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I'm not sure if I were you that I would be using the word greed. This is another player that went to live. So it shows you, as Dom just said, the complications with all of this. So I believe what happened with Phil Mickelson that started all this was a massive miscalculation. He miscalculated the way that the court of public opinion, which up until that point, he had been absolutely brilliant, a magician, a wizard at controlling, turned on him. Because the average guy looked at that and said, whoa, wait a minute. This was the foundation that you built all that stature on. Now, granted, I'm sitting here telling you he played a role in it. He earned his position competitively, right? That legendary status. But he was just brilliant in terms of how he manipulated things. Brilliant. And he's not the only one. He just was the best at it. Tiger's pretty darn good at it, too. So, it, it's, I'm, again, I'm trying to find balance here, Don, with the way that I'm presenting all this to you. Depending, and I'm sure you've got, you've got messages coming in from people right now. Depending on where you stand, if you, if you love everything that, that Liv is doing, then you look at it and go, whoa, 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 Phil's right, he's been right, he always was right. He got criticized for saying it too soon before the world knew he was right. The other side are going to say, whether Phil was right about what the PGA Tour could or could not have done, he didn't do it from within the PGA Tour. He left the PGA Tour, criticized them for what he already took advantage of, but then was really revealed because of the personal comments that he made to Alan Shipnuck that, according to Michael Bamberger's article, he sees it as some type of effort to, to change the reality of how it went down with his opening statement of uh, there was no interview with Alan Shipnuck. There was a conversation, none of which has been denied by either side. The thing that's being denied by either side is Phil claiming that the conversation was off the record. Well, I could tell you from a journalistic side, the only way a conversation is ever off the record is if A, one of the two parties says this conversation is off the record. That's point one. And then the second point is, is whoever that other party is you're talking to has to agree. Period. If you don't have that and you are the person that's disseminating information, you don't give it. It's very cut and dry. There is no gray area. None. That's what it is. It's fascinating. All right. Let me take a second break here before we get to some more of this uh, sound that we have from Legends Tour players. More of the Fairways Life Show coming up. 
Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boynegolf.com. I guess, hello world, huh? <laughs> and with one subtle hello, Tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career. I've done it for 20 years now with, with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens, and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. Bridgestone Golf, proud to be part of your journey. You're a golf fan. I am giving all this equipment away. I'm Matt Adams, host of the Fairways of Life show. We're the only live daily golf show on YouTube. We're also available on demand. You can just click and subscribe right here, and we give away product to our subscribers. I literally give it to you. What other show does that? There is no other show that's live every day on YouTube. All you have to do is click and subscribe, and you got a chance at winning some of this. Are you ready for golf's biggest season ever because we are our certified fitters are waiting to fit you for free with the latest clubs from callaway taylormade cobra titleist and more plus shop the latest gear and apparel from all your favorite brands experience golf's biggest selection under one roof don't just shop this season shop with the pros at the pga tour superstore created without the constraints of time or money PXG Golf Clubs are the most technologically advanced available today, and they are a perfect union of art, science, and engineering. And the PXG experience is unlike any you've had before. After you've been custom fit, your clubs will be built to exacting standards and your exact specs in the USA. So when you hear it, you know, PXG, nobody builds golf clubs the way we do, period. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana and Golf Week's best you can play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's best you can play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit FrenchLick.com. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life Show. Pleasure to have your company on this Tuesday from wherever you are joining us. Uh, we see it coming in. We know that you guys are watching us from all over the world. We know that we've got a lot of uh, listeners or viewers in different parts of the globe, and we say welcome and thank you to all of you as well. I know we've got uh, quite a few in Australia this morning. Uh, England is one of the largest countries that listen to us outside of the United States, so welcome one and all. Now, this kind of touches on a little bit of what Dom was talking about. This this is a clip from Fred Couples, or Fred Fred Funk, I beg your pardon. Fred Couples won this past week after a 60 in the final round at this event where we got all these interviews. So Freddie uh, Funk was speaking to, again, the reaction. You're going to hear a similar theme there. But what he touched on was a disappointment that he had in how the tour reacted to it. Right? This is about a three-minute clip. Give a listen to this from, from Fred and, and, and see what conclusions you come to. You know, you got to bring up the what's going on now uh, with the Live Tour coming along. But I thought the tour prior to that was the strongest position it's ever been in in years. We had great young players that were very popular, handled themselves very well. And I'm talking about the Justin Thomas's, Rory, and Morikawa. Uh, I personally like DeChambeau. I give him a, so much credit on all the work he did to uh, become what he became. He just completely separated himself in the game of golf with length, and that's really hard to do because everybody's hitting, hitting it long, and then he ended up being, you know, that other other gear that nobody ever had and and others that were just really popular. The tour was rocking, and then 
the live tour comes along and it's just hard to turn down. I, I understand. I don't blame the guys for going because the kind of money they're throwing at them is I like the term. I think what Harold Varner said was uh, it's generational money, meaning it, your family's set for generations on down and you just can't, it's hard to turn that down at the same time. You know, I look at the tour um, a lot differently than what a lot of guys would look at the live tour. I think a lot of guys look at it the same way as well, but it's an exhibition tour right now. It's set up with 48 guys and, and they're playing three rounds and it's just, you know, why you got to really play well. I mean, you still want to win. You still would have the drive to win, but it's not the same animal. I remember the first tournament when they were playing in London and the regular tour was up in Canada and the Canadian open that year was, or this year was, um, incredible. Uh, you had all the hot shots with Rory and Justin Thomas playing well, Morikawa playing well, um, on down the line, uh, Homa and, and they were just putting on an exhibition in golf and the crowd was loving it. And the golf course was great. And it just, I think overshadowed the, the, uh, live tour on what that is. Now I know they're piping into music. That's cool. We could do that too. If we really wanted to some tournaments we do, we, at least on the range, but, uh, it's still not the game. It's not the competitive edge that it, uh, that it had when we lost those guys. And, yeah, I, I'm really scared in one aspect that if for some reason those guys on the live tour are allowed to cross over, then the, the, I think the tour is in serious trouble because that's when I would think of Morikawa and all the guys I'm mentioning, Rory would say, hey, wait a minute. Now, why am I sitting out here? I'm not taking my $400 million they probably would have offered Rory to go and and uh, just why, why are you doing that? You can't let him in. So Monaghan drew the line in the, in the sand, and he just says, you go, you're gone. You're not coming back. And he made it as clear as you can be, but where's it, where's it going to go with the court decisions in, in, in this world nowadays? Uh, you just never know. So I'm a little scared for what the tour, where it's gone. I'm not sure I like where the tour went to react to it. That was a problem. They were reacting. They didn't really get to the table early. And, and now there's adversarial. So I don't like that. I actually did think in the very beginning there was room for both if, if it was done right. Uh, I don't know whether we can ever get to that, that phase again. I, it, it was fascinating to hear Fred say that. Do, do, you, do you not agree with that? First of all, I thought he was really balanced in terms of what he was saying, but I just thought it was also fascinating that You've got the likes now of Rory McIlroy that are saying, and I'm sure Rory's going to be interviewed this week, the CJ Cup, and similar comments are going to be uh, presented in the media. But here was a veteran in Fred Funk saying, there's room, there should be discussions. I mean, it's just fascinating. And as I'm listening to it, I'm wondering to myself, what would happen if, I'm not saying that it makes marketing sense or anything else. I'm just saying, what if? Because that's what we do here. What would happen if Liv put together their own senior tour? Dom just said it's kind of what they're doing right now. Yeah, with guys, maybe guys in their 40s. I don't think they've. I don't think they've completely cut off the flow into into the stream going down the road for a senior tour. And I certainly don't think that their intent is to have a, a tour of guys that are somewhere between their PGA Tour glory days and and the Champions Tour. Which as I yet, think they'd they go towards the LPGA before they did what you're saying. That's what I well, think. Have, did, I think there there'd be a higher there's higher Aramco? chance of them spending a lot more money to grow the women's side before they started like a feeder or like a subsidiary champions tour thing. But you still got, you have to ask the question of why, why is this public investment fund putting so much money into golf? Why? I get that the players are sitting back going, you know, and I've heard this from, from different either representative of the players or the players themselves where they go, Hey, we're finally getting paid what we deserve. 
interesting perspective. But with the amount of money that they have, right, like the princes and the regime and the, the oil refineries over there, like it's it's money that is almost incomprehensible in terms of how much. No, I get that. I get that the source is almost endless. But at the same time, no, that's time, not what I mean. What what I mean is maybe it's just a pet project. Maybe the two or three guys that have been put in charge are like, man, I really love golf. No, golf's like my favorite. That's what I'm thing saying. To do. That's what I'm getting at, Dom. I, I, I had a feeling you're going to go down that road. There is an intent in what they're doing. From my understanding, they are developing these economic zones, and they are doing it so that they employ more people in their country. Because obviously, it's a country that has a very high net individual net worth. But they want to keep people busy. They want to keep people employed. And so they are going to develop these. Is there something, is there something higher than five-star? Is there any, anything in the, in, in the world, Dom, any, any resort hotel that's, that's categorized and looked upon as being higher than five-star? Or is that I don't think absolute? so, no. All right, so that's the absolute peak. So they hope to exceed that peak. That's what I was getting at with that, asking that crazy question. They hope to exceed that peak. They hope to have golf courses designed, hotels designed, uh, you know, Dubai-like places in terms of appeal of going to, et cetera, in their own country. And so tourism attracting people like all of us that are engaged in this show today is very, very important because you will be the economic engine that fuels it. Not that builds it, not that invests in it, that fuels it going down the road for the future. My understanding is that's why they're doing what they're doing. And it's not just going to stop on the on the tourist side, it's, it's also going to be built into other businesses, et cetera, et cetera. They have the money to invest in their infrastructure. So when we look at it, we say, you know, I respect your opinion. You said it'd probably go to uh, women's golf before it would go to seniors golf. I could see that. But when you talk about the people that go to these types of resorts and spend this type of money, that demographic is the seniors golf. So I just, I just think it's all really fascinating. Now, having said all this, when we talk about all this, I did an interview a week ago Saturday with Danielle Tucker and her brilliant golf broadcast and becomes a podcast and all the rest out of Hawaii. And she, she was asking me about the status of the game. And I told her the game is, go, is doing great. Now, again, from my perspective, my job is to talk about the, the business side of the game, to understand what's going on with the economics. I certainly think that the game of golf, just like everybody else, is we're all sitting on the edge of a pretty rude awakening of, of what's happening with world economics. All the experts are saying that, that we're heading towards a recession. Okay, I trust the experts. But for the game of golf for the last couple of years, it couldn't be stronger. We gauge the game of golf by what happens at its highest tier, its best players, the, the tours. But when you look at the game of golf as an economic engine that drives $85 billion into the United States economy alone, you realize that once again, it is all of us, it is all of you that actually drive the real money in the sport. Massive, massive, massive money in the sport. And so that's how I started the answer. I, I knew where she wanted to go, and I was happy to go down the road of, of live to discuss it if she wanted to, and she did. Uh, but I started with what was the positive news, which rarely gets talked about nowadays because it's overshadowed by all of this, which will I, I will admit, at least in a broadcast medium, is, is far more sensational. So here is Scott McCarron in terms of answering his perspective. It's a quick clip here on where the game of golf is right now. Well, I think it's good. I think uh, a lot of it was due to, you know, everyone shutting down because of COVID. Um, so guys weren't able to go to work, and, but golf courses were open. 
thank goodness. I mean, we instituted a lot of really stupid rules when we look back at the time with no rakes and bunkers and foam in cups and leaving the <laughs> pin in, which we all know now that was just all complete joke. Um, you know, so, but right, you know, people were playing. They weren't able to go to work. They weren't able to do things that uh, they normally did because governments were shutting them down for no reason at all. So they played golf, which was great. So it was good for the golf business. Um, now we got to make sure we maintain it. Yeah, because a lot of people were reintroduced to the game or introduced to the game for the first time, and they realized this is really fun, this is really cool, it's great, it's great uh, exercise, it's, it's great companionship, etc. So the game has been booming, and I think that's great. But all, this other stuff definitely overshadows it. Rocco Mediate, Olin Brown, Dickie Pride are further players from the PGA Tour champions that commented on the same. I am not going to get to them today, but I will get to them as the days unfold because I think this is an interesting and ongoing conversation, which I hope we can continue to discuss in a manner in which all opinions are taken into account, are at least respected, are at least listened to to understand before a permanent decision is made on one side or the other because you already have your heels dug in. Have a great Tuesday, folks. Bye for now.